Hey everybody, Dr. Josh Axe here. Welcome to the podcast. This week we have Dr. Brenna on with us. He is a dentist and an expert in the oral microbiome. And you guys all know that I've said for years that the health of our microbiomes, you know, and typically I'm referring to our gut, is such a big deal. You know, Hippocrates said all health begins in the gut and connecting this microbiome, but also, again, we're talking about the orobiome today, dental health, and how that affects the health of your entire body. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Dr. Mark here to the show. Dr. Mark, uh, glad to have you on. Thanks, Dr. Axe. Glad, very glad to be here. Well, great. Well, I know we're going to talk about a lot today. We talked about the microbiome. I want to talk about sleep a little bit. I want to talk about sure. brain health. I want to talk about how your oral health connects to your heart health, how to beat cavities, but I want to dive in and hear from you. You know, you practice more, I'll call holistic dentistry to a degree. I mean, looking at not just, hey, you know, we need to use fluoride or I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But I think yeah. the bigger thing is what role diet plays? What caused you to start to lean into more of this functional medicine dentistry or holistic dentistry? Right. Uh, I, I use the term functional dentistry now. Um, holistic's fine. It's basically the same thing. But the, the key is, is finding that root cause, going upstream, and there's nothing like diet for, you know, going upstream and figuring out what is happening to your mouth health, your oral health, and diet is a huge component, so is sleep, as you mentioned. Unfortunately, dentists are responsible for putting a lot of toxins into our bodies, mercury and fluoride are the two big ones. It's a little embarrassing being a dentist, because those are two big ones, very big ones, and hard to really undo. So... Um, it started back in high school. I, I was kind of a health nut. Uh, everyone else was out partying and having a good time, and I was concerned about all these crazy recreational drugs and vitamins, and I was reading uh, the book Life Extension by Sandy Pearson Dirk, Dirk Shaw. That, that really dates me. Um, the Turning Point by Friedhof Capra. Uh, I was worried about the environment. Then I went into food science. I was up in Canada, University of British Columbia, biochemistry, with a minor in food science, I thought it was just fascinating. And what we put into us is what comes out and, and produces the final product. So, so that started early on. And then, of course, you know, when you start raising kids, I have three daughters. I was concerned about fluorides. I was distilling my water. I mean, we, and my wife is a health nut as well. I use that term loosely. She is an academic and uh, in biotech, uh, nursing uh, uh, background. So it's, it's been, my dad's a physician. Uh, it's always been part, part of the DNA. It's like, what are we doing here? And a lot of questions and just my academic background and, and the need to know um, how the functional part came along. That's kind of interesting. You know, that really wasn't something I was really looking into. It was more about data points. And of course, we got it all wrong back then with the low fat diet and and all of that. So the functional aspect, I think, is is I'm riding the wave of you know the paleo movement, and all of it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's the stuff on your site, Mark Sisson, being fat adapted. That was a real wake up call for me uh, ten years ago. Um, but have always been taking supplements and always worried about what I'm putting into my body and what I can't get rid of that's already in my body. <laughs> well, I love that. Well, I'm interested. In, I do want to talk a, a little bit about the. Um you know, what a functional dentistry practice looks like, and then also get into, you know, some of the toxins you mentioned. But before I do that, let's start here. What is the connection 
between your sort of your oral health and then your 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 overall health. Right. So there are many ways to look at that, and that's where we get into the functional aspect of dentistry. A functional dentist just doesn't look at a cavity and say, "Well, we can fix that." They really look at where does that come from, and that's you know a very long story, of course. But the the mouth is the gateway to so many different parts of the body. Uh, the gut microbiome, as you mentioned earlier. Um, it's really part of the system. I don't like to talk about it in a vacuum, uh, isolated from the gut microbiome, but really what happens here in this area is unique to most other parts of the body. For example, the teeth are the only calcified tissue that erupt through the body to the outside. And that creates a host of problems. Obviously we need teeth, but how do you protect the inside of the body from infection? That's where we get into with gum disease, the biofilm. Um, uh, viruses, uh, you know, the, the current coronavirus uh, is is brought in through the mouth and through the nasal passages, even the eyes. So, so really, the the mouth is something that unfortunately has been ignored for a long time due to the division between medicine and dentistry, and that goes back to the 1800s. And physicians know nothing about the oral microbiome, and very few dentists know a lot about you know systemic health. And really, that's what I'm trying to do with my website, trying to be a functional dentist, conferring and consulting with physicians, uh, explaining to them how much of a contribution to CRP, the overall rate of inflammation to the body can come from the mouth. We actually have a CRP letter, a physician's letter that we have online that has been downloaded over 10,000 times. IFM is using it. Uh, it's a way for the physician and the dentist to talk about this relationship between the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome. The other connection is sleep. Uh, there are a lot of things that make us poor sleepers as an adult that happen in the first five, it depends on how you look at it, four years or first 10 years of facial development. And that goes back to diet. So there, it's a functional dentist has to keep all this in mind and, and start treating the patient and looking for these things from the time that the preconception, um, and that is chasing these things upstream and trying to prevent them from happening so that if proper facial development occurs, then that patient as an adult will never have an airway issue and will not suffer from sleep apnea. So it's, it's a big thing to tackle. I mean, it's a, it is mouth medicine. Um, and unfortunately, we are training as more tooth carpentry. I'm being simplistic, of course, but but that's changing, thank goodness. Well, let's talk about some of the good and the bad. I want to talk about some of the, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but the dark side of dentistry. Sure. Oh, so, yeah. and then we we're going to jump into a lot of the positives, but I'll just share 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 this with you. I have my my uh, my mom and then my wife's mom. Uh, my mom had about eleven amalgam fillings. Her mom had about twelve, and so we went through the process of ha having those removed following a you know a the, the dams protocol and very, very specific, you know, found some, some dentists we were really comfortable with. And I'll even say here for my mother, like she noticed the difference. Like she felt healthy, like her, she felt like her brain was more clear after she, I uh, got those removed. And so I'd love to hear from you. What is your take on mercury amalgam fillings on fluoride? Should dentists be using those? Should they not? And what do you do in your practice with those things? Well, uh, back when I graduated from dental school, that was 34 years ago, uh, early, probably within the first few years, I was faced with putting these metal fillings into kids. 
And I really had a problem with that. And my take on that, similar to fluoride back when I was a younger dentist, was it doesn't feel right. We don't have a lot of data on it, but it just doesn't feel right. So I'll go to the alternative. Um, now, of course, we have lots of data and mercury should not be should not should not be in our environment. And once it's in teeth, then it's in the environment. Um, you know, when a body gets cremated, that vapor goes into the air. I mean, we have a lot of mercury in our environment, and a lot of it is from metal fillings. Uh, the Europeans have kind of uh, uh, legislated that down a little bit, and it's mostly because of the environment. In America, 50, 60 percent of uh, fillings are still being placed that have a mercury in them. 50, 60 percent mercury concentrations. And we now know we've been able to measure mercury vapor coming from the grinding on these fillings, from acidic drinks like sodas or even a low pH water like Perrier. Uh, all those things can help release this, uh, this volatile mercury vapor. And of course, we breathe it in and it goes right into the bloodstream and goes to a lot of different places in the body, major organs. It can cause liver issues. It can cause fatigue. Uh, a lot of patients do feel better afterwards. It's hard to measure that, but there's no place for this uh, this toxin, uh, neurotoxin, in our. Uh, and the problem is, it's fat soluble. Uh, it's hard to get rid of, just like fluoride. Once you've ingested fluoride, so it needs to stop. Um, the ADA is not very keen on that. They still say it's a wonderful filling. The reason it is so popular is because it's inexpensive. It's been around for a long time, and it's easy to place in a wet environment. Uh, mm. Composites are a little trickier, and the plastic fillings aren't perfect either, but they're way, way better than metal fillings. There's, there, there's no reason we should be placing a neurotoxin into the mouths of children and adults. Um, it, it's got to stop. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's crazy. You know, I had a, a friend of mine who's a physician, and he actually came down with severe chronic fatigue syndrome. He got them removed improperly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, was sick for two years. I mean, major, major fatigue issues. But you know, there there are dentists out there. I'm sure, like yourself and others, who there, there's a proper way if you do have these amalgam silver silver fillings to get those right. removed safely and effectively. But not yep. just by anybody. Well, where would you recommend, or how do you know the right type of dentist or a dentist that can actually remove these properly? Is there a website to find them, or a right. There is a website, and that's a great question, and there are not a lot of dentists that know how to do it properly, unfortunately. But there's a great website. It's the IAOMT, the International Academy of Oral Medical Toxicology, uh, I think. Don't quote me on that, but um, I'll give you the link. That I would, as a patient, let's say you're going to see a regular dentist, and you've asked them to remove your fillings. The question to ask is, are you going to follow a special protocol or are you going to just remove the filling and put in plastic? And if it's that, if that's the answer, then you should go to this website and read about the protocol of how they are removed. And there are a lot of specific things like how they cut the filling out and what size chunks they're cut out. It's the rubber dam, of course. It's oxygen um, to the patient. Uh, you know, how is the dentist protecting his staff members? It's the dentist that, and, and the auxiliaries that are exposed to more of the mercury vapor than anyone else. Taking them out and placing them is the most dangerous time and the most likelihood of taking in a lot of mercury vapor. So it has to be done properly. So I would definitely recommend the IAOMT.org uh, link. That is a great place to start. And it's worth traveling to see a dentist to have that done properly, as you mentioned your friend. You can't have them taken out in a conventional way because you will up your levels of mercury almost immediately within minutes in your bloodstream. Wow. Incredible. 
One of the things, you know, I've, you know, been reading some of what you've, you've written and talked about out there, Dr. Mark. And one of the things I was so fascinated by is you said somewhere in a recent interview, the number one cause of cavities isn't poor diet. It's not because you're not using fluoride. It's because people are breathing in and out of their mouth while they sleep. It's mouth breathers. So talk about that. Well, that's, I'm glad you caught that. I'm glad, I'm glad you tagged that. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm not the only one that thinks that, uh, you know, I came out with that a few years ago. It took me 34 years, 30 years to realize that, that the patients that have a dry mouth are the ones that are getting a dysbiosis of the oral microbiome. There are a lot of factors that can create a dysbiosis in the gut, like in the mouth, uh, diet is one, um, uh, medications, but pH is the big one. And the pH in the gut is pretty stable because it's in the gut. It's way down here. It's protected. It's in the dark, right? But in the mouth, because you're breathing in all this dry air, you could be falling asleep with your mouth open. Uh, and I'll explain why I think that's happening more. But that changes the pH dr- dramatically. And if with a low pH, the bacteria change dramatically in relationship to each other. And that happens every single night for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Those people tend to get cavities, sensitive teeth a thicker biofilm, a greater chance of getting gum disease. And those are all uh, you know, conditions that are related to the biome. So it makes sense. Now, of course, biofilm management, which is flossing and brushing is important. I would put that as number three. Number two is diet. Now, if you're mouth breathing and you have a perfect diet and you're flossing and brushing well, that, that maybe won't be as bad. But a dry mouth absolutely is such a factor in changing the the the, the uh, oral microbiome in, into a dysbiotic uh, dysbiotic microbiome to a point where all hell breaks loose in the mouth and then you add to that mouthwash which is carpet bombing the the biome a lot like uh, like an antibiotic um, people use mouthwash before they go to bed um, people use mouthwash three or four times a day when they're at work to freshen their breath you are putting down the bacteria count in a bad way to the point where it actually causes bad breath. It can affect your nitric oxide production, which is where most of this is made in the back of your tongue, in your nasal passages. We have not respected, and I'm talking about dentists, we have not really shown our patients how to respect the oral microbiome properly. We've been along for the ride with all these mouthwashes, surfactants, emulsifiers, and toothpaste. It's, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, dry mouth. I, will, I, I can stand by that. I can show data on that. It is clearly dry mouth that is the issue. Why are we breathing with our mouth open or at night? That's facial development. Those are epigenetic factors in our environment where we are now a species um, or a superorganism, if you include the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome, where we are not able to breathe through our nose properly. And because of that, our mouths fall open at night and that dries out the mouth. Wow. You know, one of the conditions that's closely related to, and by the way, one of the things I've noticed, just just sharing this as an observation, I've noticed with mouth breathers, they start to get whitening on their front teeth. Do you know what I'm talking about? They start to get these white marks on those teeth. Exactly. That is amazing that you caught that. That is a decalcification. That is a change in the calcium structure of the tooth due to dryness. It typically happens on the front teeth because they are in the driest position. I call that the pole position when it comes to dry mouth. And you see it less on the back teeth. Absolutely. And there are other things you can notice, like uh, the free marginal uh, gum line starts turning a darker pink as well. 
um, it's very it's easy to be out in the public and see who has these issues. And those are the people that have the gum disease, bad breath, they have a decay rate that's higher than the typical person. Keeping your mouth moist, of course, I'm talking a lot now, that's hard. Uh, that includes drinking you know, a high pH water. But at night, especially, because your saliva production goes down at night, because your system shuts that down, and your mouth falls open, it's even worse. Saliva buffers everything. Uh, saliva actually is responsible for sensitive teeth. If it doesn't have the right amount of phosphorus in it and calcium in it, Saliva is the, uh, is the supply chain for rebuilding your teeth. Teeth are actively fighting decay and recalcifying, but if the pH drops in the mouth, which it can by drinking a soda or eating a carbohydrate diet that produces a lot of acids, the, the teeth respond. Again, this is an active system. This is, the teeth are not inert. The teeth respond by releasing calcium ions and other minerals into the saliva to help buffer the mouth. Well, you're losing, it's like bone loss in, in your yeah. bone. It's the same kind of process. So this is a very complicated system in the mouth and we are abusing it daily. Wow. It's amazing. Well, I want to talk about diet. And then by the way, I have a lot of other stuff to ask you. I want to get into sleep apnea. I want to get into the sure, dental yeah. connection between yeah. your heart, also between your brain. But let's talk about foods for a minute. So what are some of the most important nutrients that we need to support dental health? And are there any foods that you recommend that you say, we got to stay away from these? And which foods do you think, hey, we really need more of these to support our oral health, both of our teeth and just our general oral microbiome? Right. right. So the recommendations I make are for the teeth, which is part of the oral microbiome. It's the oral microbiome that are that is maintaining the crystalline structure of the teeth, but it's for the whole mouth. It's for the back of the tongue. It's for the nasopharynx, the velopharynx. It's for the nasal passages. Typically, the short answer is a paleo-style diet. So low on the carbs, no carbs if possible, especially the processed foods. Um, acidic drinks, as I mentioned earlier, anything that's extremely acidic or produces an acidic reaction in the mouth. So a paleo diet, essentially, if you were perfectly you know, disciplined and you could have that diet, um, there, you wouldn't really ever see a, a cavity or, or even probably even need to brush and floss. Uh, that's assuming you don't have a dry mouth at night. So that is possible. We've written a guide on that on our website. Um, there are a lot of other people that will support that. Uh, there are studies that support that. Decay and periodontal disease are caused by comes from diet and dry mouth. I've said that before, but I just wanted to make sure that that's very, very clear. Um, the flossing and brushing that we've been brainwashed to tell you that that is the key to everything. You can have your cake and eat it too, as long as you brush and floss. And there are times that you shouldn't brush right after an acidic meal because you're literally scrubbing away some calcium on the teeth. So paleo diet, um, lots of prebiotics, uh, the three nutrients that I'd like to see, especially in a newborn um, for proper facial development, calcification of the facial structure and bones uh, would be K2, vitamin K2, um, A, and D3. Those three together work extremely well. The K2 is key because, you know, we're taking a lot of D3 to get the calcium past the lining of the gut and the bloodstream, but after that, it really has no place to go. It could literally, all that calcium can literally calcify a lot of things that don't need to be calcified, a lot of soft tissues, including the linings of your, of your uh, blood vessels. So the K2 is what helps build the bones. So you've got to have that on board. What foods are, are high in, in that? It's 
paleo. It's a lot of fermented products. Uh, it's natto. It's a pate. I mean, mm-hmm. duck and liver pate. It's great stuff. Do it. Um, uh, meats, grass-fed meats, butter, all those things that you've heard are good for you. They're also good for facial development and making sure that you have good dental health as an adult. I love it. And I just want to kind of, you know, just uh, reinforce what you're just saying. I, again, I totally agree. A lot of people don't realize this is why it's so important when you're taking a supplement that it is a, it is a synergistic supplement. I mean, the, the days of taking a calcium supplement by itself, those days are over. There are studies linking calcium carbonate, mm-hmm. which actually comes from limestone. Right. Isn't, isn't that crazy? Like most calcium supplements actually come from ground limestone and they're extracting this calcium, and it's causing calcification of our arteries. So yeah. in order to utilize this, guys, what Dr. Mark is saying here, take vitamin D with a vitamin K2, and then, yeah, getting the calcium and magnesium, you know, the other things with it. But when you're taking a supplement, there, there should be foods in there. There should be foods on the label, and it should be synergistic. Uh, it's so important. And want to hit on the foods. You mentioned the healthy fats, butter, uh, that's grass-fed. The raw cheese is like a raw sheep cheese. Yep, yep. gonna be Good really cheese. rich in these nutrients. Yep. Lots of the green leafy vegetables, foods that build nitric oxide, like beets, and then the grass-fed wild meats. You know, uh, grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish. These are fantastic foods. Uh, mushrooms. You know, these things are great. And then I also, of course, I love bone broth. You know, yep. bone broth is really rich in collagen and has some minerals in there as well. And, uh, and actually a little bit of your tooth is made of collagen because your bones are in some of these Absolutely. other areas, but, Absolutely. um, so love that great. And paleo, you know, paleo obviously is a fantastic diet for a lot that a lot of people can thrive off of. What about, um, you know, I, I do want to jump to this sleep apnea thing and, and, and sleeping. Um, you know, I think, now, of the people listening, there's probably a few that have sleep apnea. There's a lot that don't, but there's probably a large amount of people that sleep with their mouth open or just don't sleep well. Talk to me about our oral health and this connection between sleep and just generally sleep apnea. Right. So the way I got into it is uh, we were dropping our, our oldest daughter off to college and we were all in the same hotel. I guess that hadn't happened for a while. And and I literally woke up with my three daughters just beating me with pillows because they, they said I was snoring. And of course, I got a diagnosis for mild sleep apnea, 12 interruptions per hour. And, you know, I'm a thin, healthy, very active person. And I was really like surprised. And that's, that was 10 years ago. Now I understand and realized and practice in a way that dentists are in this incredible position of being able to recognize the early signs of sleep apnea because we look at different things than physicians do and we can recognize it and and by recognizing it and screening for it we can prevent the all the comorbidities of sleep apnea decades before a physician can so so that has been a big part of my practice i wrote a book on it the eight hour sleep paradox um it's 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 a root cause in dentistry um obviously if you're if you have facial development issues due to lack of breastfeeding, tongue tie, which is really a, a, a midline defect caused by taking the wrong uh, form of folic acid, maybe you should be taking folate because you have the MTHFR gene. Um, you know that prevents you from breastfeeding properly, and it's the muscles of breastfeeding, the action of breastfeeding, that starts that initial uh, growth factor or growth plan of how the face is developed. I don't know if you've noticed, Dr. Axe, but the 
facial profiles have been getting very thin and tapering. A lot of movie stars have that. There was oh, yeah. uh, the uh, facial surgeons, I think, somewhere on the East Coast, a group of New York uh, plastic surgeons just voted who the most beautiful person on the planet was. And yes, she was gorgeous, but she had a very tapering chin. She had obviously had a very small airway and she was very retronatic. And that's what we consider to be beautiful now. It's not this big, wide, square jaw. Um, I always tell patients to keep it very simple. There are three boxes that have to that have to form properly in facial development. And this is all under the guise. This is under... This is in the realm of dentistry. This is something that we're in charge of and should be talking more about. Um, so from the time, let's say, let's say uh, there's no tongue tie and the tongue is able to do what it's supposed to do when it compresses the mother's nipple and pulls out the milk. And of course, uh, the breast milk is very important from a nutritional standpoint. But really, I would argue that the most important part is the process of getting the milk. And the, if the tongue is able to do that, and if the tongue rests in the right position as the child develops, and if the mouth is closed, except for talking, eating, um, and um, just talking and eating, then, um, then that face will develop correctly. It will be a wider face. So there's the mouth box, there's, there's the airway box, and then there's the nose box. The nose and the mouth box sit on top of each other, so the ceiling of the mouth box is the floor of the nose box. If the mouth box and the nose box don't develop properly, don't get to their full width, that back box, the airway box, will remain small. Mm. And that person will be predisposed to having sleep apnea for the rest of their life. Um, how do you develop that mouth box so that the nose box gets wider and bigger? It's muscle action of the tongue. It's keeping your mouth closed. It's swallowing properly. And these are things now that are being impacted by you know, poor nutrition, lack of breastfeeding, um, not enough K2 in the environment or minerals in the environment, uh, our food supply. Uh, I mean, it's mouth breathing causes that. That could, do, that could be due to allergies. The child has allergies. Their adenoids and tonsils are enlarged, and they can't breathe properly. So wow. as, a, as a dentist, I'm screening for this uh, as soon as I possibly can. I ask the parents to bring their child in as soon as they possibly can. Wow. I'm, not doing, I'm not doing fillings on them, hopefully, or, you know, but I'm at least giving them this advice. Wow, powerful. Hey guys, if you've been following me for a while now, then you know what a big fan I am of collagen. There are so many benefits, including better joint health, gut health, better skin, hair, and nails, and so much more. And now it's easier than ever to get your daily dose with my new multi-collagen capsules from Ancient Nutrition. These capsules contain a unique blend of fermented collagen inspired by ancient principles, including type 1, 2, 3, 5, and 10 collagen. Whether you're looking for a balanced whole body wellness, a more restful night's sleep, better beauty that radiates from the inside out, or healthier gut or joints, Ancient Nutrition's multi-collagen protein line can provide the support you need. Learn more about these benefits by searching Ancient Nutrition multi-collagen capsules on Google, Amazon, or DrAxe.com. I'd love to also hear the connection between another disease process, and that is the, the connection between gum disease and autoimmune disease. Right. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of research and studies on that connection. Um, 
So you've recently, because of the coronavirus, you've heard this, this term, the cytokine storm, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very popular term. That's essentially what gum disease is. Gum disease is where there's this dysbiosis in the mouth. The body over, um, uh, you know, reacts to it with this cytokine storm. And it basically liquefies the tissue around the gums. That's where you get gum recession, bone loss, and then hence uh, gum disease, mobilities of the teeth, and eventual loss of the tooth. But that, because the mouth is so connected to the circulatory system, to other parts of the body, interstitially, all of that goes out. It goes out by infection, direct infection. It can go out by a, um, uh, like a... Um, Exotox, exotoxin release from the bugs that are out there. So that's injury. So infection injury. And the last one is just inflammation. It just ups the inflammation throughout the whole body. So that'll affect your joints. It'll affect your heart. Uh, it'll get past the blood brain barrier. There's a substance now that we just identified that comes from gum disease, um, from that cytokine release. It's called gingipan that crosses into the brain uh, and uh, causes the brain to lay down amyloid plaque amyloid plaque, uh, which is the beginning of Alzheimer's. We now have a causative uh, reason for Alzheimer's that comes from the mouth, from the P. gingivalis bug. Uh, Oral bugs are being found in all parts of the body, uh, in in joint tissue. Um, And uh, it's this, it's lighting the fire. It's contributing to the fire of inflammation in the body. So if you already have inflammation, it's gonna make it worse. It can also be the cause of your inflammation in your body. And that's again why we have this CRP letter that physicians and dentists can pass between each other because sometimes, most often, the physician, for example, a cardiologist will be treating the patient for heart disease, they'll be looking at CRP, see if they, by a diet and and intervention and medication, if they can get that CRP down, they're doing a good job. Well, they don't know that this patient may have gum disease, and most people that have gum disease have heart disease and vice versa, diabetes as well. Um, So if they're not aware of that contributory nature of the gum disease to CRP, and they're not using the right data points to treat their patients. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, th- th- it's so interesting is I, my, my biggest area of study uh, for the past many years has been uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. And, you know, these ancient form of medicines look so closely at how every organ system was connected. Nope. And, you know, your oral system, of course, in Ayurvedic medicine, they really looked at that. I mean, they're, they're of course, you know, the, you know, the, you know, people that sort of pioneered oil pulling, you know, with right. se- sesame oil and certain essential oils and other things in the past. And it's just, man, it's just so interesting. But I, but I just think it's so important for everyone to realize if you have an oral issue, if you have, if you're getting cavities, if you're getting whitening on the front of your teeth, if you're having, you know, when you floss or brush, if your gums are bleeding, this is a big warning sign for you that there's something else going on in the body because as Dr. Mark's talking about, these issues, the gum disease, uh, all of these issues, they're connected with sleep apnea, they're connected to autoimmune disease, your overall heart and cardiovascular health, your brain health. I mean, all of the, your immune health, all of these different areas are connected to your gums. You know, we did talk about the foods to consume. I want to talk about a couple other things here uh, as well. So Dr. Mark, talk to me about the negative side effects of fluoride and fluoride toothpaste. And then what should people use instead? Is there a specific type of toothpaste? What should people look for in their toothpaste? 
Right. Well, um, back when Catherine, my oldest, was born 32 years ago, uh, I went out and bought a distiller before she was born. I just didn't want fluoride in the water that they drank. And that was just a hunch at that point. But now we have data points. And again, the U.S. is one of the few countries in the world that fluoridates their water, their municipal water supply. And it is a type of fluoride that is a byproduct of the phosphate fertilizer industry. And that is in our water. And that, when that is ingested, that goes into all our bones and into all our teeth. The theory is thinking that the teeth are stronger for it. But fluoride in, in toothpaste came later. And of course, fluoride was deemed to be such a big hit um, that, uh, that the toothpaste manufacturer said, oh, let's just add it to, uh, let's add a smaller amount to our toothpaste. And topical, it turns out, ironically, that topical fluoride is, is safer and has more of an efficacious effect than ingesting fluoride in the water. I could argue that there is no efficacious effect of fluoride in the water. The good news is that, uh, unfortunately, the lawsuit was, was delayed, but there was the Fluoride Action Network, which I highly recommend everyone go to that page. Uh, there are a great um, group of PhDs and doctors and dentists and MDs and, and uh, politicians that have great science and they have a lawsuit uh, that was on the docket in San Francisco, I was hoping to attend on April 20th uh, against the EPA to pull uh, fluoride from our municipal water supplies because it's doing so much uh, harm, including to, the, uh, including to lowering IQ of children. There are now three studies that, that have supported that notion, um, not to mention bone health. And, and, uh, and for example, the European countries, 97% of them do not fluoridate their water they're always ahead of us. Their food supply is better. They don't have fluoride in the water. They, they mandated that um, metal fillings not be placed. Um, we need to kind of go in that direction. The good news is that assuming, uh, assuming the fact that fluoride topically in a toothpaste is very beneficial and can remineralize tea or at least help in the process, I still worry about kids swallowing toothpaste. There is a warning label on toothpaste. It is a toxin if swallowed in large amounts. We now have this wonderful biomimetic property, which has been around for a long time. It's one of the most studied compounds in medicine, hydroxyapatite. And we have it in, which is basically bone. Uh, the Japanese have been using it for the last 10, 15 years in, in a toothpaste. It was developed by NASA for um, in, in view of, you know, zero G gravity, loss of, bone density and all that. And we now finally, just in the last two years, have two toothpaste manufacturers, more are coming, that are adding it to their toothpaste. So wow. I would recommend using toothpaste. Toothpaste is only 10% of the equation. It's really about dry mouth. Uh, it's about flossing is more important. Diet is the most is second most important. But if you have to add toothpaste, then what you're looking for, you may have sensitive teeth. You may not have enough calcium in your saliva, then add a tooth, bring a toothpaste in. Don't use much of it, maybe once a day. It's a polishing paste at best. Try not to use one that has uh, sodium lauryl sulfate in it, emulsifiers, surfactants. I mean, toothpaste essentially is drying us out. It's denaturing our mucosa or oral mucosa. It's, it's, it's causing just a mess in our mouth. And then, of course, you've got essential oils, which can be too strong and can be bactericidal. So, and then, of course, it has fluoride in it. Hydroxyapatite with a little xylitol, a prebiotic, is all the oral microbiome needs to thrive. Mm. We have to stop disinfecting the mouth. We have to start nourishing it and 
providing for the oral microbiome so it can do its job. Are, are there any brands you like specifically that are doing this with this toothpaste? I do. Boka, B-O-K-A. Um, you, you have to order from them directly, but they'll send you a tube every quarter or every month. And also Risewell. Risewell has a, um, a, a nice toothpaste as well. They, they're slightly different. One's a micro-sized particle. One's a um, nano-sized particle. If you have sensitive teeth, I'd recommend the, the Boca. But overall, the Risewell and Boca both will do a great job. And they don't have the surfactants in there. The surfactants, sodium lauryl sulfate, predisposes you to oral to uh, canker sores, um, it, it dries you out. It, it changes the, it denatures your, your oral mucosa. And that's where it's one cell thick. It's just like the gut. And that's where permeability comes into play. Mm. Um, uh, we've, we've, as dentists, we've been recommending all the wrong products, mouthwashes with alcohol, triclosan, detergents. Um, this is, this is really got to stop. Um, yeah. Wow. Especially because the mouth is connected to the gut in terms of immune response and overall health and inflammation. But it's starting. It's beginning. You know, circling back to something you said earlier, we're, we talked about because you, you know, just shared with me a ranking order of not breathing out of your mouth being the biggest thing, your diet being another big thing. And then, of course, just caring for your oral health with everything from, you know, flossing, using the right type of toothpaste. These things are important. Going back to that first thing, how can people better improve breathing out of their nose? I know one of the things I did years ago, and I'm just naturally a nose breather. I don't breathe out of my mouth ever, so I don't have that issue. But I know many people that do. What, you know, it, can people, like, I remember years ago seeing people start to tape over their nose. Right. And one of the things I saw you reference somewhere was taping not only your nose, but also your mouth. Oh, right. how, how does that work? Yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. Uh, I thought it was a little crazy in the beginning, but then I started doing it. My family started doing it. My patients started doing it. Um, I'm trying to get a study at Stanford set up where we can show the results. Uh, I'm constantly measuring my sleep and other people's sleep. So I've seen the difference in terms of respiratory rate, uh, resting heart rate, um, even body temperature, amounts of, of movement during the middle of the night between taping and not taping. Taping essentially, again, if the mouth falls open, and I've argued that that's happening more and more because of epigenetics and because of our environment, we're just not developing uh, properly so that we can breathe properly through our nose. I'm also a pretty good nose breather unless I have a cold, um, but for some reason my mouth will fall open. So taping the mouth closed promotes that nose breathing. In other words, you can't breathe through your mouth, so all the air is going in and out through your nose. That can do many things. If you're borderline kind of a snorer, uh, because the air is coming through at a slower rate, past all the baffles in the nose, it's been humidified, it's been warmed, which is good for the lungs, um, it's been disinfected a little bit by the nitric oxide, but basically the rate of air coming in is slower, the airway is less likely to collapse. It's that Bernoulli's principle, mm -hmm. where if you pull a lot of water or air through a tube, it's gonna, it's gonna pull in on itself. So that helps. Uh, so people that are borderline, they will stop snoring if they mouth tape, where if they didn't, they're snoring. Now, does it cure sleep apnea? No. Here's the big thing with, with mouth breathing. We essentially, we need CO2 in the bloodstream. Uh, to allow the red blood cells to release the oxygen to the muscles. If we mouth breathe, we tend to overbreathe the CO2 and we have less CO2 in our blood, which means that we're not oxygenating our brain and muscles properly. So during the day is one thing, but at night, if we could just 
lower our resting heart rate, uh, 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 lower our respiratory rate because we're, we're breathing through our nose properly, your oxygenation of the brain or the opposite hypoxia would be less. You would mm. feel better. You would feel wow. more rested. So there are a lot of reasons to do that. And one of the big reasons, of course, is you don't want to get gum disease and, and cavities. I mean, a dry mouth is problematic. So mouth taping, I do recommend. It's not for everyone. And if the tape keeps coming off or you get a little bit of a headache, um, you know, during the night, that means you're not getting enough air, although your mouth is still closed or you're, you seem to be doing it well, but you're really not, then you need to go see into your nose and throat and find out why you can't breathe your nose. Why can't you bring in all the air at rest when you're relaxed through your nose and survive? And also, this is a good example of why we should exercise. You know, I mean, you, you think about the best athletes that their heart rates are lower, you know, especially the ones that have done mm -hmm. any type of intense cardio is going to help that as well. I love that. Right. Also, they're breathing. They have better breathing muscles. Um, yeah. They tend, to, they tend to breathe better. Um, it's the bottom part of the lung lobes. That's where all the blood is. That's and Most of us don't use that part of the lung. Again, back to aerodynamic medicine. Um, they got it right. All the gurus had it right. Breathing is so, so important. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I love that. That's good. Well, I want to encourage you guys. Dr. Mark has a book. It's called The Eight-Hour Sleep Paradox. It's Dr. Mark Brana. Am I saying that right? Brana? That's great. Yeah. Brana. And um, guys, check out his stuff. Also, go to his website. What is your website, Doc? It's askthedentist.com. That's right. Askthedentist.com. You guys can't forget that. So go to askthedentist.com. <laughs> right. Check that out. And just want to say, Dr. Mark, I really appreciate your advice, the advice on you know, breathing in and out of our nose, the importance there. I mean, that, that was such a shocker. The number one cause of cavities is if you're a mouth breather versus a nose breather. Number two, remember, get those nutrients Dr. Dr. Mark talked about, the vitamin A, the vitamin D3, the vitamin K2, and the minerals, they're alkaline. You know, lots of water, lots of healthy fats. Get rid of the sugar and the carbs that are going to spike insulin. That diet's going to help. And then great recommendations on toothpaste, uh, there as well. And uh, any, any closing thoughts, Dr. Mark? Just uh, show your mouth a little respect um, and find a dentist that does as well. Um, and unfortunately, not all dentists are trained that way. We are, we are more about, uh, you know, seeing the hole or seeing the inflammation and just going right to it and fixing it, but it's going to come back. Um, you know, why would you want to get a cavity over and over? Why not prevent that from happening? Gum disease is difficult to fix. Gingivitis in its early stages is fixable. It's reversible. Once you get gum disease and bone loss and, and gum loss, it is you can arrest it, but you'll never get that stuff back. So it's important to see a dentist that is functionally minded, that is looking for root causes and, and has that in the back of his mind and is educating you so that you don't run into these problems. I love it. Fantastic advice. Well, guys, uh, again, wanted to say, hey, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Thanks to Dr. Mark Brahana here. Check out his book. Check out his website, askthedentist.com. I want to say, Dr. Mark, hey, thanks for being on today's episode. Thank you, Dr. X. It was a pleasure. Great. Thanks, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was. Also, don't forget to follow me at Dr. Josh Axe there on Insta, where I cover the latest health trends, natural medicine, and so much more. Also, if you're loving this podcast, do me a big favor, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much for being on mission with me. See you next week.
This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.